0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chitam and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and all it takes is three easy steps. First, create your profile on mercurymile.com Two Choose your likes, dislikes, sizes, preferences, and then a personal stylist will then ship you a box of gear, nutrition, accessories, so on and so forth. It will arrive shortly thereafter, and you'll be able to pick what you like and send back what you don't. What could be more fun than that? In addition, you can save 10 bucks by going uh, onto the website and using Rambling Runner 10 at checkout, and that will save you $10, $10 off the stylist fee. It's so easy to do, and this is not a subscription box service. You just order a box whenever you want one, which is very nice of them because it doesn't force you into anything. But I ought to be honest with you, sometimes I forget to do it, but every time I order a new box, I usually keep about half the stuff in there. And it's funny, the box is almost a little smaller than a shoe box when it arrives. And when when it comes in, you kind of laugh because you think to yourself... There can't be much in here, but there's usually like eight to ten things. I usually keep four or five of them. It's always a good price, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Again, MercuryMile.com. Use RamblingRunner10 at checkout to save yourself ten bucks. So, on today's show is my friend Vic Morales. So I was excited to have Vic on, as he's somebody that I've definitely looked up to from an athletic, um, you know, athletic uh, perspective for a while now. He's a little little bit older than me, but man, is this guy fit. So he was a, a very good runner. Not very good. He was a strong runner as a young man. And then as you'll hear, he uh, he let it all go. He gained a bunch of weight. Um, when he was younger, he was kind of working hard at his job and started a family life and just let it go. And then after that, he bounced back, lost all the weight, and it just became A very, very strong Masters athlete. But then, two years ago, he got a blood infection that brought him all the way back to square one. And here he is, kicking butt. And today, he actually just ran another big race today. I'm recording this intro on Sunday night. Um, This guy, not only is he a very strong runner, he is full of energy. He talks about a lot of the things that affect not only me, but I'm sure plenty of you as well. And he's really into lifting, which is I used to be really into lifting when I played basketball uh, as a young man, especially in college because we had, you know, certain lifting tests that we needed to do every year and so on and so forth. And I really gave it up. But he's a guy who really picked it up later in life. And now, man, is he just shredded and it doesn't affect his running at all. I mean, he is actually here. He is quite fast. So this was a uh, a really interesting conversation for me. I really enjoyed it. And I think you will like it. As well. So, one last thing before we get into it, I just put out a podcast on my Patreon site, which, if you become a Patreon member, you can get it. It is my pre-race conversation with my coach, James McCurdy. He was dropping knowledge all over that podcast, and he um basically provided information for anybody, not just me. And this is why I love having him as my coach. And I think while if why if you become a Patreon member and support the show that you'll like what he says as well. I know it will help people of all abilities because he has, you know, runners of all abilities that he works with from, you know, people who are trying to qualify for the Olympics to people who are just trying to break 30 minutes in a 5K. So, with all of that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Vic Morales. Rumbling Runner Podcast.
1: Hey man, how's it going?
0: It's going great. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I feel like I'm really honored, given some of your, some of your past guests.
0: <laughs> oh, well, man, I'll tell you what—I'm honored to have you on. Just look at just looking at what you did today in the heat. You out there, and you kicked some serious butt. I've been watching watching your runs and following you, and you just seem to be impervious to the heat. It really is remarkable.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it takes a few times, but you end up getting used to it. And I think it's more. Um, over the years, you just kind of just adapt to it. So I, I feel pretty lucky, and I tell you what, though, it was, it was a hot one though today. It <laughs> definitely was.
0: <laughs> but you still you still rocked a, a sub seven minute per mile run. What was it like a five mile run? You did under seven, under uh, under seven?
1: Yeah, it was um a six mile run, and I think it was around the six forty range, six thirty range.
0: Ooh. So yeah, I don't know what's hotter, man. Your pace or the heat? Yeah, <laughs> is flying. flying. Um, well, it's interesting that you say that, like, you are, right. you just run a couple times and then you kind of get used to the heat and you get acclimated. That's interesting to me because, like, I'm I just I'm not that way. Like some people I feel like are solar panels. Like they can like <laughs> they, they, they absorb the heat and it, like, yeah. they, like that energy fuels them almost like like a plant. Right. Yeah, for me, exactly. For me, it does the opposite. It's like the sun is like this vampire in the sky, <laughs> just like sucking the life out of me.
1: Yeah. You know, I, um, I have like black hair, dark skin, and I just get hammered with that heat and it just, I just attract the heat. But for some reason, you know, I just, I can it's just get through it. And I try to hit pick routes that have some coverage, you know, and a lot of the trails here are flooded still. So it makes it kind of hard, but you know, there's some areas you can get some tree line streets and just hit that hard Stay as, on those as long as you can. <laughs> and then you're golden, you know, you're golden. So uh, I try to do that as much as I can.
0: Well, set the stage a little bit because you know. So, so where you, where do you live? And when, when, yeah. you say, when you say things are flooded, I know what you mean. But let's just set the context for the for the. Yeah,
1: stage. yeah, you bet. Um, so I live in Des Moines, Iowa, specifically in a suburb uh, in Northwest Des Moines. It's called Johnston, and uh, we we are going through some flooding this year. It's a lot. It's very unusual. So I was I've been here since I was nineteen working, and Des Moines had the floods of '93, and those were pretty bad. It shut down the city. Um, we didn't have water for like a couple weeks, and so I knew what flooding was. But this a couple weeks, it was last Saturday actually, um, two Saturdays ago. Sorry, we had in an hour span we got hammered with up to ten inches of rain, and I had never seen anything like that. So that totally just flooded out the streets, people's lawns. Um, we got lucky; our, our our lower level didn't get much water, just a little spot. But the trails took a hit. And so it, comp- it looks like rivers, Matt, just complete. Re- you don't know, even you know where the trails start or begin. So it, it's been one of those weird summers where um, it's just unusually a lot of rain. But now we're hitting a dry spell, a lot of heat now. And so, um, yeah, so I, I, the trail systems are great here. And I love getting on it. But right now, it's all streets, boring streets. <laughs> you kinda, you, I kind of miss the trails.
0: So what time of day do you typically run? So say, say there wasn't any flooding. What time of day do you usually go out?
1: I go when my schedule allows. So I, um, and that's what keeps it fun for me, I guess. So I go in the morning when I have to, I'll go at 10 o'clock if I have, you know, uh, an hour, hour and a half between a couple meetings, two o'clock, sometimes I go in the evening. But typically I would say I try to hit that noon hour. I sort of get that, sort of get that twitch, right? (laughs) You got to get out. And, uh, so I, I try to hit that noon hour as much as
0: I can, but usually it's just whenever I can get it in. So if you're running in the morning, do you run the trails even then, or, or is it, or is it get a little too gnarly for you to run in the dark? No, I do
1: run on, I, I run on the trails. I, they're, they're pretty safe. I, I bring a light if I have to, I really have to though. But you know, it gets, the light comes out so soon, um, every day that you're, you're fine even at four thirty in the morning. So, uh, but yeah, the tra- like I said, Des Moines is like awesome for like being health conscious city. So you can jump on the trail. I'm like probably a quarter mile from the trail. I can go bike all over the city um, in like 40 miles and still be an all trail. So it's just really wow. awesome to have that opportunity here. Yeah. People think, you know, we're out in the sticks, <laughs> cornfields and we do, you know, John your tractors. Yeah, of course that's Iowa. Right. But we have a very sophisticated uh, health conscious like leaders in this community that thought things through and it's awesome to be part of that. So very cool,
0: man. I'm getting jealous. Just sitting here. That sounds. sounds, (laughs) We have, I can't, I shouldn't, I should act like, you know, where I run isn't nice. Um, you know, but for me it is usually streets and then we have uh, a bike path that kind of goes through, which is like, you know, it's like the the same, the same, same stuff that you're running on. If you're running on the road, it's just, you know, there's no cars on it obviously. And, um, you know, at the time of day I run, that's kind of like you know, running trails would just be tough anyway, especially except for like a few summer months just because it'd be dark. But I'll yeah. tell you what, I love hearing that. And you mentioned before that or just now that it's a very health conscious city and you are a very health conscious guy. There's no doubt about that. Now, were you that way growing up?
1: No. Well, I I think people who meet me for the first time and, and they they see my times and I'm like lifting and running and biking. They think I like eat roots from the grass and drink off the water, off the leaves and stuff. I, I really don't. I actually, I don't know if my diet's the best, but I do focus on, uh, hydration's important, uh, fruits and veggies, get them in. And I still have a Matt. I have a Coke every day. I do. And I, and the reason why is because I used to be pretty heavy. I used to be about 50 pounds more than I am right now, and at that time, at my low point, I was pop—you know—I was popping like three Coke Coke cans a day, and eating like McDonald's, drink, you know, washing it down with a Coke in the morning, lunch, dinner. I just had horrible, horrible eating habits, and so I've I retained some of that. I can't let everything go, so I have to have my Coke. I have like two drinks. I got to burn the throat, right? <laughs> Get that in there, and then I'm good. I'll throw the rest of the can away. So. I'm oh, not that funny. totally health conscious, but I do. I have picked up some things along the way. And I always believe you count out exercise, a bad diet. You just simply can't. And I no. tried that for many years yeah. and you just have to watch what you take in. And for me, it was sugars. I cut back on sugars quite a bit and um, switched over to, to lots of fruits and veggies, but I didn't exist in my diet for a very long time. So
0: what, What happened in your life that got you to the point where you were 50 pounds uh, overweight?
1: I had kids, (laughs) (laughs) which you probably know, right? Um, I think when the kids were younger, and you know this, I don't know how old your kids are, Matt, but um, at the time, mine were probably around the four to two range. And um, you just, you can't get out very much. And, And I tried to tag team with my wife at the time. And that didn't work out very well. So I didn't run as much as I did. And I just was eating anything inside. Your, your sleep is gone. I would pay for sleep back then. And you just, you just develop these horrible habits. So along the process, I just put on more pounds each year. And it, it just, it's, you, you, what you see in the mirror is normal. And you don't realize how much you've gained. And, and just you know, before I knew it, I was you know hitting 190. And that was not good. And all my numbers were in the red. And I just I developed asthma. It was just bad, bad years for me. And uh, I just took. And how long, just was, How tall are you? I'm only five, uh, almost five six. So I'm a short
0: guy. Okay, so you were five, so almost five six, about one ninety, at
1: this time, yes. So okay. it was, <laughs> yeah. I I just I, here's what the the game changer for me was. My daughter came in to the bathroom one day. I was getting ready for work and going to put on my shirt for work. And she's like, daddy, you're really fat. And I was like, Oh, that's really cute. But then I'm like, wait a second. I I just knew right then. I'm like, I can't be this. Uh, I have to be a role model for them on many different aspects as a parent, especially taking care of yourself. So then I just knew I had to make a change. And that was it for me. That was the day I kind of just, it was in 2009. I'm like, that's it. You got to make some changes." And it, you know, I just slowly started to make some adjustments and, and it took time, but, um, you know, that was, uh, my, that was my trigger.
0: And you mentioned before, and I completely agree that you can't out exercise a bad diet. And that's one of those things where there's and oftentimes people get it confused. They think like, Hey, if I exercise, I'll be able to eat whatever I want. And I feel like yeah. those of us who are at, you know, who are, who've been able to like, either at least for the short term or the long term, kind of get our diet straight, realize the fallacy behind that thinking, even though it does, it is like a very attractive concept, right? It, it is. is like the idea is like, oh, I can get the yeah. best of both worlds, right? I can work <laughs> my tail off and be super fit and then eat whatever I want. Like who who wouldn't want that, right? So yeah. like you mentioned yeah. before, you, you, you knew that that's not the case, but During that time when you had the kids and all of a sudden you weren't exercising, you were sleep deprived and all of a sudden your diet, you know, kind of goes down the toilet at what did, were you eating well prior to that? And then you just lost sight of it or did you just kind of like over time just continue to kind of eat a slightly worse and slightly worse kind of month after month?
1: I think, I think the latter, I think for me, I became a workaholic right out of college working long hours. Uh, my wife at the time was an attorney and she worked long hours. So what did we do? We did takeout every single night and it became a normal thing. And we um, eat late at night. And so you pick up those habits and then slowly they become who you are. And then before you know it, you know, you got, you packed on a few pounds and then you get kids coming along the way. And then, you know, yeah, you know, at that age, it just, it just sort of snowballed and that's just life. You know, it's just like that happens, and you're like, "Oh man, it's not good."
0: So, what was what was the prime takeout that you that you wanted? So, if you're so you're say you're in takeout mode, but if you had like could choose oh, any spot, what, what was most what option one a? Uh,
1: what we eat? We had a lot of Olive Garden, which is bad, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> a lot of
1: grease. We there's a place called Drake Diner. Uh, I had really it's still I still my favorite for chicken strips. I used to eat chicken strips left and right. A lot of just. Um, fried foods uh so it, it just was ever was on the way home that was convenient uh, uh steakhouse you know whatever and it was you just, i just i just ate
0: whatever i wanted to
1: eat No, did like, you yeah.
0: No, the drake diner was that near drake university it was yes so th- they have a sandwich in one of those one of those diners over there called the emmenecker
1: yes they do right yeah, that For, that from
0: the, from the from the basketball player his yeah. sister used to work with me when i worked at a college here Oh,
1: okay Cool. Yeah. That, I think Matt is part of the, um, it's another restaurant. I think it's, uh, I'm losing the name of it, but it's down the street from Drake Diner, but yes, that's what it's called. It's like, I don't know, 12, 12 inches high.
0: Yes, <laughs> I exactly.
1: I mean, you, you gain five pounds looking at it.
0: So. Yeah. That, that's how it was described to me. I was like, I think, like, Oh, this is great. I want to eat a sandwich named after brother that you told me about it. And I was like, nah, I'll pass. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you so you are a workaholic, and you mentioned before, or maybe you still are. I shouldn't say used to be, but um, that you moved to Des Moines for work at age nineteen. So were you working and going to school at the same time, or, or how, how did that work?
1: Yeah, no, I actually went to school at the University of Northern Iowa right out of high school, and I interned in the summer um, in Des Moines. So I would do my intern. I had like I had three internships throughout my college career, and so I kind of consider myself a native here since I was 19 because I got to know the city very well, and that's why I joined my first running club. I mean, that's when I first knew it was a great city as far as the running, the running scene. is this just fantastic here, so um, I, I would, I would I'd live here in the summers and then go back to school, and in fact, I, tra- I transferred from you and I, um my sophomore year to a smaller school so I could try to run um, Is a D three, but that that didn't work out too well.
0: <laughs> so, and what school was that?
1: Uh, it's Buena Vista University. It's in Storm Lake, Iowa. And I, uh, you know i I knew they were trying to have me run there out of high school, so I I'm like, ah, let's try you and I. It was a little cheaper as a state as a public school, but that didn't work out. I really wanted to run, so I ended up going back to to Buena Vista
0: there for to to finish out college. So, what was your running background like in high school?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, Matt, I, um, I ran track all four years, but I played baseball and football and basketball. And it wasn't until um, I was a sophomore of my track season is my final track meet. And we just got a new high school coach. And I was, uh, he was the weight, he was the shot put coach. And I was getting on the bus and he looks at me, he's like, you're never going to play for me. I'm like, oh. And I was like, what the? So I'm like, okay. I was so mad. Then I'm like, I'll show him. I'm going to go off for cross country. So I went off for cross country the next year, my junior year, and ended up winning the conference, went to the state. Had, and I, I just I had a lot of success. And that was sort of the beginning of my cross country sort of career slash full-blown running focus on, on high school from there on out. And l- years later, I found out that he did that to motivate. Me. He actually wanted me to play for him at, at a quarterback position. But I'm like – I didn't understand what he was trying to do then, you know, but I, in a way I'm like, Hey, thank you because you got me on the right track to focus on probably the right sport for me in, in high school, cross country. So I went, yeah, I went to state both couple of years. I really, you know, I did. Okay. got 17th one year and 44th uh, my senior year because of just some injuries I was going through. But um, as a team, we did very well.
0: But you must've had an inkling about your running potential before you joined cross country that year, considering your athletic background and being able to compare your speed to your teammates and, you know, your stamina and all of those things.
1: I did, you know, I did. And I, I was thinking about this the other day because um, uh, my, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. And I remember two memories when I was growing up where I felt how good running was to me. And the first one was uh, my dad was a, is a great golfer where I grew up. He was he won a lot of city titles. He's just a great competitor. So we we were taking him to go golfing one morning, and my mom didn't have a driver's license. She was like forty years old, so she just got her license right. Never drove a car. She was driving, dropped off my dad, and I was probably ten or eleven at the time. And we were leaving the golf course, and she took a gravel road. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But we got caught up in some loose gravel about two and a half miles away, and we spun out and went in the ditch and It was an old Monte Carlo, you know when they had speakers put in the back, just the wires are hanging out <laughs> um it's uh, so I think it's that's where I was like you know i i um I was like oh we, we so we went in the ditch, and uh i I didn't even know what to do, so I ended up running back to the golf course it was <laughs> back to <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And it was funny because when I was running, I felt like I was free. Like I was, I really liked this a lot. And so that was one memory I had. The other memory was I had a paper route growing up. And so I, what I ended up doing every day, Matt, was I would time myself how fast I could do it. And I, every, every day I tried to go faster. What was funny is coincidentally, one of the people on my route was ended up being my track coach and in high school. And uh, he ended, he's a good great friend now. He came to uh, a lot of my important events and stuff like that. So I think he was very interesting to. He was on my route, but I, I just knew I loved to run even back then. I guess so wait, you then. ran
0: your paper route?
1: I ran it every day. I had forty houses, and uh, I would I just try to time myself every single time <laughs> doing it. So you know, it's 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 funny, but uh, it was it was something I was just. I, I love to do, and I don't know why. I just, it was, I, I challenged myself every day.
0: So, most people ride their bikes for the paper route. What made you want to run it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know if I had a bike back then. I think I had a moped. I just didn't want to use it. I, I honestly used, viewed it as exercise. And I wanted to do it that way. What's funny is my brother had a paper route too, and he would drive the car and back out and go to the next house, go to the driveway. I'm like, Whoa, come on, bro. <laughs> I'm like, got to get out. It was so funny. So we were two different people in that sense. And I think I just didn't want to like become like him. I-, I love the guy. He's still, you know, I love him to death, but that was something he just was very lazy about. And I'm like, ah, at least one of us has to like do something right. <laughs> so I just ended up running the, running the damn route every day. So you
0: are this very energetic, go, go, go person who thrived on, Using your body and competition. So, when you went through this spell of not working out and kind of being basically a non athlete for these number of years, what did that feel like?
1: You know, I think for me, um, it was something where I started to get some depression from that. And I, I think you know this as a runner, and you've talked to other people who say this running is more than physical. I honestly think it's, it's more mental. And if I didn't run every day, I'd probably be an alcoholic or drug addict to be honest with you. I mean, it is my therapy. And back then I really needed it. And, it, and I didn't do it as much as I wanted to. I could, I could, I knew I was getting, spiraling into, into depression that wasn't good. And that was probably the biggest toll it took on me back then. And not only that, but just, you know, you, you just, I had, um, and my physicals every year, the numbers kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, ah, this is not good. I have a family history, of diabetes, heart attacks, you, you name it. Right. And so I just was not, um, you know, not in a good spot. So it was not a good feeling overall. That's, that's, that's certainly true.
0: So why do you think that you had to get sh- basically shamed into, into getting back into it by <laughs> yeah. your daughter, as opposed to saying kind of, instead of either connecting the dots on your own. Or was it more of like considering your athletic past, were you just self-conscious about starting again because of kind of how you let yourself go?
1: I, I think so. I think um, for me, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I never have an issue with intrinsic motivation. And I, the reason I've been running for so long is just because I, I just, I actually, I really love to do it. I can't wait to get out there the, from the very first step. I'm like already on a high. So I just, it's something that was easy for me to do. I think what I needed was that extra uh, push and trigger from my, you know, my daughter. And I, 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 you think I would have found it by by then, but it took all those years. And for her to say that to me, and I I don't know what it was. I think I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was, uh, you know, I, this isn't the parent I want to be. And, you know, I know my parents weren't in in the best health. I didn't want them. I didn't want to try out like them. So it it just was a combination of a few things and just, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make a move here. I mean, it's it's, it wasn't good.
0: So what was it like when you picked it back up again? Like what was the first, the first day, the first week, like, you know, how did you exercise and how did you feel?
1: You know, I, I think with anything, I just started being very gradual with it. Um, I remember being out of breath and that was depressing. You know, just doing a little tiny hill where the apartments we lived at, that killed me. Um, but I ended up just going further each time. And, you know, just I didn't really have a set training schedule. I just sort of did what I wanted to do and uh, just believed just set those small goals each week. And that's what I ended up doing. I, I started. I think I was like 10 miles a week to start out with. <laughs> it was just something to get going. And, um, and I think a couple of those runs I had to like walk run because I was just totally out of shape cardio wise lungs weren't there. And it, it just, it's one of those like, okay, yeah, this is how it's going to be. Accept it, just embrace it and just deal with it. And then eventually just build upon uh, on, on those uh, on that as a benchmark.
0: And that's exactly now, what it did. Now for, for former college athletes who now want to like kind of get back in shape. And I've been one you know, I they've fall into this trap a couple of times oftentimes it seems like the ego can get the better of you when you start out because you have these visions of grandeur of like what you used to be able to do. And you know, like, all right, I know I don't want to get injured right away. So I'll take it slow, but then you, you end up ramping it up too quickly. Did you fall into that trap at all?
1: I did. And what happens is, as you know, is injury. So I did get injured a few times that first couple of years. And it's because you could just go too fast and like, I've done this before, right? I, I can do a, I can get down to, you know, 620 miles, 630 miles within 2 months and that's not true. And I tried to do that, and I tried to go too fast and you end up getting injured and and then you're off, you know, you're off for a few days just to get back back at it. So it it, it was very frustrating. Yes, it was indeed, but when you when you start some like one run you go out after a while, it feels awesome and that's exactly what happened. I'm like, okay, this is a good sign. I'm feeling what I used to feel. The weight's coming off. I'm feeling stronger again. The lungs are feeling good. And you just build upon that. And it's not to say that you're going to fall down because you will. I know I still do today. You can't, you can't beat yourself up, though. That's just part of the game. And you just got to look back and look at the progress.
0: Yeah, and, and you had said before that the reason that you had basically stopped was because, hey, you are working a lot and you had a family. So when you start picking the running back up, did the work or family life suffer at all, or, or did you realize, or was it more of just like an excuse you'd been telling yourself?
1: No, I, you know, when you come out of college, you kind of want to make a, an impression, right? So I think that was a mistake I made. Um, I, I uh, interviewed a, an executive recently, and he's, he said it so clearly to me. It's like, it's not work-life balance, Vic, it's life work. You know, you got to figure that out as soon as you can because, it, it, you know, it's life comes first, family comes first. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get pay the bills and all that sort of thing. But, uh, it, it, it didn't really impact my work at all. It just, I think my employer at the time was like, yeah, take care of yourself. Um, get, get back to where you want to get. Cause it's, they knew if I was feeling good about myself, I'd be even more productive for them.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. But you're right. When you're young, it's tough because you have all the time in the world. Um, most, most people, most people who graduate from college don't have a family yet. So you can devote a crazy amount of time to work. Um, just because you, you have that, you have that availability. I know I did that. I was basically working two full-time jobs up until I was like 29, uh, for an extended period of time. But like, you know, I had nothing else going on. There was nothing to stop me from doing that. I guess the hard part right. is if you're, you know, at that point, once I, kind of met my wife to be, I made a career change because I saw what was coming down the path. And not everybody, you know, either can or wants to do that. And all of a sudden, if you stay at the same firm or the same job or the same company, and all of a sudden you start scaling back from insane hours to normal hours, it can, it can be viewed negatively. Right. Because even though like you're working normal hours now, you're not working anywhere near what you used to do. And all of a sudden, you know, that can be kind of like a, a catch 22 in a way.
1: It can be. And I think even, even today, Matt, I am in a very fortunate position where I can work from home probably a couple times a week. And uh, it's a pretty big company. It's, 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 you, it's mostly virtual. So everybody I work with is in different cities. So there's a, a certain amount of trust there that you're getting your stuff done. Right. It just makes you work harder. And I, and I, I love every poor employer I've been at. They do care about their employees as far as their well-being. They have fitness facilities. They they have running clubs. I mean, it's really cool things, and that says a lot about you know where I think the great corporations are, great great places to work. So that I knew that was always there for me. I just had to find that right balance, and I I didn't at first. You just want to work a ton of hours. That's what it is, and it's not. It really isn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, you proved it, right? I mean, but you were able to bounce back. So you were able to write the ship. And you're coming back, you're having a couple, a couple injuries here and there. So it's kind of like two steps forward, one steps, one step back. Did you, at what point in this kind of reintroduction into running, did you start setting out goals for yourself?
1: Um, you know, that's, that's a good question. You're probably, this may surprise you. I don't really have running goals, I guess. My only goal every year is, and I'm 44, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 45 here pretty soon. So as you get older, you have really one goal, at least I do. And it's not to get injured. It really is. When I go to races, I'll drive that morning. I'm like, I'm going to set a goal right now as I'm driving down (laughs) to, to, to to the race. But I just, I don't try to, to get too uh, scientific with things. I try to keep it pretty, pretty naive for me with running. I think that makes it fun for me. So I, every year I may set a mileage goal, like halfway through, but for me, it's still just to not get injured. And that's still hard to accomplish. It really is.
0: So when you were coming, so when you were losing the weight, were you more focused on that at that point? Not in terms of a running goal or, hey, I want to run a half marathon or anything like that?
1: I, even that, Matt, I think I just didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I just did it. Oh, okay. And when I started to hit the, you know, I lost five pounds, I lost 10 pounds. I'm like, I'm just not even look at, you know, quote unquote, look at it. I'm just going to keep going. And see how far I can go. I never really did set a number goal. I just like, just keep going as long as you can. You're doing something right. Don't overthink this. Don't over, you know, make it scientific. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that's what I did.
0: Now, do you think by kind of taking that more, that that kind of like, I guess I'm going to call it a casual approach. That probably isn't the right word. Um, Because obviously you were working very hard and very diligently. But A casual approach, I guess, to the progress. Right like, all right, the progress is going to be what it is, right so it was kind of like a, a more laid back approach to it. Do you think that allowed you not to kind of take yourself in the process too seriously because you obviously are a very driven person
1: yeah, I think so. I think I think there's some truth to that. I think um, I, I mean people ask me like, what are your goals every year? what What training plan do you follow? I'm like, I don't follow any training plan because if I did, I'd stop running it became, it would become work for me. And so I, I try to just have fun with it every day. And you see, you know, you think you said earlier, yeah, I'm, I'm cranking out six forties daily. It's because I want to, I know I need to probably do a slow day, but I don't want to, I have plenty of times to rest when i when I'm dead. Right. <laughs> I can do it then. So I just go how I feel and I don't want to just overthink it. Cause I know I've tried to follow training plans. I, despise the marathon distance because I have not had success there. because you, as you know, if you've run a marathon, you have to follow that plan pretty closely. Otherwise you're going to find yourself in a pretty interesting spot in the, in the race at about mile 16. So I just have never had the discipline to do that. And I don't know why, but I just, I just feel like it's probably helped me maintain how I feel about running. It's, it is something that's part of me.
0: I love it. I love that self-awareness that you're able to apply to it. Obviously what you're doing isn't right for everybody. Just like what other people are doing might not be right for you. It kind of reminds me of like a cooking comparison. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're going out to cook on the grill, like you don't need, to, you don't need um, a recipe book, right? You go out to the grill, right. you know, you can kind of figure it out as you go. You, can, you yeah. can slather on some spices and some, you know, some dips or whatever. Whereas like if you're baking, This is like that would be like running the marathon. It's like what you what you do for training is like is like like grilling, whereas like marathoning is like baking. It's like you need to follow the instructions, and if you don't, it's all going to go to hell. (laughs) That's
1: right. I always think about. I always wanted to get my mom's tortilla recipe down right. She didn't know. She never wrote it down. She just threw stuff in there. Like that's kind of how I view running. I just kind of do what I want to (laughs) do. You know, lift here, run here, bike there, whatever I want to do that day and uh, get my fix and, and move on.
0: Now, do you have any influences uh, on you, either positive that you try to either aspire to, or that you gain inspiration or motivation from, or negatives where you say, Hey, I don't want to be that, or I used to be like that. And now I'm trying to go the opposite.
1: Uh, you know, um, i there there's some guys well, first of all, I think I mentioned earlier Des Moines is a great running community. there's a lot of studs here if you want to compete, but there's at all levels right and so I know I'm very fortunate to be part of a running a couple of running clubs, one though that I was part of since nineteen, and there are guys that are my age or older that are still cranking out you know two forty two thirty marathons, and I feel very privileged and 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 honored to still run with those guys. They're still committed to their health, still doing what they do. They have families like me, have important jobs. They're very busy, and I feel lucky to be around. So, because if you surround yourself with people like that, you end up like just picking up that energy. You know, it's just it comes, it just it's, it just happens. And so, I think just having that group when I want to do group runs and get advice or just talk to them about injuries they have, they're always there for you. And I'm very fortunate to have that group here.
0: Now, you've come across to me, not just in this conversation, but in, you know, just, just following your your running career as a very positive, energetic person. Now, is that something um, where if I were to meet you, so you're, you're 44, say I met you 30 years ago, you would have been the exact same way? Or is it something you've consciously worked towards?
1: No, I I am just naturally a positive person, I feel very fortunate I'm that way, because I believe that anything you set out to do, if you have a positive attitude, you're already halfway there. I tell my kids that every day. But I will, to, to answer this question and the one you asked before, um, there was one person in my life, and he um, was my grandpa, but he wasn't by blood. It's an interesting story. So the town I grew up in, um, this guy was well known. He's pro- I think he was in his 60s when he met my mom at the time. And they were looking for a place to live. And he's like, Hey, you can live here for free. As long as you take care. He he just had a stroke. So he needed some help. He didn't have any uh, family close by that would help him. So we ended up when I was born, he was already there and I called him grandpa and he was the most positive person I knew on this planet. And he had a huge impact on me, Matt. I mean, this is a guy who um, lost his wife to alcoholism, lost a couple of brothers to really freak accidents. Um, he was a chain smoker, but he's trying to quit. But every day he'd come down those stairs and just go, "It's going to be a beautiful morning. It's just awesome out. I can't wait to see you." And that made a quiet impression on me. And even today, I still do that with my kids. I want to be very you know, super happy, super positive, and and I know that will impact them and their attitudes too. So that, yeah, I would say that was a big impact on me, and has been um, my entire life.
0: Yeah, and that's something that it's always it's always something I think about is that that positive mindset for people, like how much of it is genetic or early, early upbringing, right? Where you don't really have a say in what influences you. So like, say someone's like four or five or six, obviously you learn something at that age. It's not genetic necessarily, but other people can have such an influence on you that you can't help but learn it. Um, versus, you know, things were just, Hey, like, all right, you know, you just like, Hey, you watched you watch an episode of Oprah and you're like, wow, the power of positivity, I'm going to make it happen. And then you just kind of build towards it. You know, I feel like, you know, positivity in a way kind of takes a little bit from both buckets.
1: I agree. I do agree with that. I think, um, it's both, it, it could be in your genetics. Absolutely. But I think it's also who you surround yourself with who's in your life. You know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I mean, we didn't grow up, you know, with a lot of money. It, we had some really tough times and that really challenged your attitude and, being positive so you know you could argue it maybe it is in your genes maybe it is who you are maybe it is part of your dna and uh i feel lucky i am that way because it has helped me get through some really tough times in my life that's for sure
0: now you're a, you're a strong guy anyone who's who's uh seen you on instagram your your, your instagram handle is at iowa runner so you're you're a well built guy how has lifting weights first of all what what do, you, what do you do from a lifting perspective and how do you think it's affected your running
1: well i i always lifted i started lifting when i was in fourth grade with my brother so i lifted early and um you know i lifted through high school and then i didn't so much in college and into my early 20s and that sort of thing but i picked up lifting pretty seriously two years ago as part of a of of a recovery from um Uh, yeah, I had a really bad thing happen to me. So I, I'm like, I need to add weights into my routine because I had lost a lot of muscle. And, um, I, quite frankly, I was just like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know where to start again. And so I ended up just joining a gym here locally. Um, I watched a ton of YouTube videos. (laughs) I met some guys who I thought they knew what they're doing. I talked to them and I just kind of picked up. Eventually I started to lift about two to three times a week. And I, because I only I want to run two on those days, I end up like um, just doing thirty minutes as much as I can, and then I'll run the next thirty, and I get back to work. So it's not like I'm doing two two hours each time. It's when I can get it in really quick. Um, if I don't have much time, I'll do the main lifts like bench, squat, uh, deadlift, that sort of thing. Um, but it, it is definitely a part of what I do and it has made me a stronger runner, not only physically, but mentally. And I would say mostly at the end of races where I want to just lose my form and, uh, you just, you don't, you just, you're, if you work that core, work the right muscles, it, they'll kick in and they will help you get through those last few miles and you feel stronger and you, that gives you a mental boost when you really need it.
0: And what kind of, uh, reps and sets do you do in these exercises?
1: I do a lot of heavier lifting, but lower reps. So with bench press, I'm up to about 195 doing those six to eight times each time squats. You know, I, have worked my way up to on the free weights to 225. So it's really a lot of hot, a lot more weight, but not as many reps, but I do a lot of, 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 uh, you know, whether it's doing some agility type, Drills and that sort of thing, just to keep the fast twitch muscles going, because that's as you get older, you just lose those naturally, and I don't want to lose those yet. So I definitely work those in with with the lifting as well. when I'm at the gym.
0: Yeah, you never want to lose those, man. Forget the <laughs> I know, you right? take the yet out of that sentence. Uh,
1: <laughs> gosh, every morning I wake up, I'm like, ah, what? Where's, where's that crack coming from? Where's that creak? I know. When I get out
0: bed, it sounds like a popcorn machine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know exactly what that's you mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that crackle pot that's right exactly so what so what happened 2 years ago you said you were coming back from something significant
1: yeah you know it was a freaky thing so uh, almost to this day 2 years ago i um I, I i i had a race i did the race i came back that weekend and um i started to have a sore back in my lower back I'm like what the heck is this and i'm like ah, i've had this aching pain before right so i ended up just brushing it off and and i i think i took some advil that night but it kept getting worse matt and i don't i don't want to i don't want listeners to think chiropractors are bad but i've never been to a chiropractor so i decided to go for the very first time ever and so i went to the chiropractor that monday after the race and um he did a major adjustment i was like way out of whack but that really did like i've never felt that or heard that noise before and it just got so this pain get kept building up, getting worse. And what had happened was I had cut my foot like a week before and somehow staph bacteria got in through that cut, detected that, uh, this is the theory anyway, from the docs, detected that my body was weak where my, the chiropractor had adjusted and, and got in my blood system and just took the super highway right to the weak part of my body, and which was in my left glute, lower left back Um, my left quad and just planted itself there and started to grow and it got bigger and worse. And that was a pain I'd never felt before. And so I ended up being in the hospital for almost two weeks and they had to um, drain that uh, main area where the bacteria was. And I was, they were trying to find the right antibiotic to fight it. And um, it was, it was just quite a scary deal. And they had to see if it got into my heart and my brain and my bones and it didn't. But uh, overall I just was, it was a very scary situation and and, uh, it knocked me out of running for about three months.
0: Holy cow, man. Like that is, that is no joke. Getting a staff blood infection. Um, I mean, I I had that in my foot once and even that, even at a very small scale um, was a big deal. I, how were you in critical condition? I mean, that, that is a, that is a very serious thing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know how serious it was until my girlfriend was telling me what they were saying to her. I, I was, I was partly annoyed. I just wanted to get out of there. But um, when they told me that this stuff, you can go septic, which means basically you're, you're just saturated with that bacteria. Right. And then you have to like, really take a long time to fight it with the antibiotics. That's when I'm like, okay, this is not good. And I knew it It became more from like uh, the thinking of, can I even run again to like, I, I don't want to die. I really don't want to die right now. I'm really young and it was, it was pretty scary. And when I, when I had the test done to see if it got in my heart and that came back and it was clear, it didn't get in my bones and then get into my brain. I was like, okay, that's, that's good. We're definitely not um, out of the clear yet, but that was a good sign that we could get through this. It, it just was really hard not to move as much as you could. You can't even shower by yourself. You can't even go to the bathroom mat, you know what I'm saying? You just couldn't do anything on your own. And this took a toll on me. And it, it, it just is frustrating.
0: So three months off, was there any potential that you were going to downshift into kind of your, the habits that were formed um, when your kids were young? Or did you know that once you were able to go, that, that it was going to be go time?
1: Um, you know, a couple of things happened for me there that really kept me afloat. Uh, one, I just, I have an awesome girlfriend and a f- family support system that were there for me and a work. My work was great. They're like, we, everything you need, anything you need, just let us know. So I had that support that I, cause I was going down to Preston lane. I was like, I was ready to give up. Like, this is not good. The second thing was, it was the summer Olympics and they were that summer. And I, when I got home after a couple, almost a couple weeks in the hospital, Um, I think the first few days I like cried. I felt sorry for myself. You know, I just was like, this is, I got mad. But then I started to watch the Olympics and that was like very inspiring, inspiring for me to see those stories of in in some situations, even worse than mine, where people came back from some adversity and that was the kick I needed and having that strong support system. And so I had a, a, a pick line in my bicep, so I couldn't do much with my arms and I had a drain in my groin. So I just started to grab cans of food and started to lift them like as weights. And I can't out of here. Yeah. I, I, I just <laughs> I had to do something. I started to, uh, I was on crutches still. So I started to crutch to the mailbox, which is across a little bit, but even that I was sweating so bad. It was, I'm like, I can do this. It was that bad of like those baby steps I had to take to get back to where I got. And so the other thing too, was I'm like, okay, I do need to set a goal. I never have set a goal, but I'm going to this time. And a a year from that time, I picked the damn the damn half marathon. I'm like, I'm going to be ready for that. I'm going to run it in hour and twenty four minutes.
0: Oh, and so I set that. Holy cow! Wow, a one twenty four half marathon. What made you choose that as a goal? Because that is a, I mean, that's a big time goal.
1: Well, it was something I knew I could do. I mean, PR was about one seventeen. So I, I kind of figured, well, if I, if I can get going here, start getting serious, you know, start hitting those miles I need to hit one twenty four is doable. And I had, you know, about nine, eh, about nine months, right. To do it. But uh, I think the first step for me was just to even get running again. So, you know, like I said, it was getting off those crutches. And then I started to walk, walk, run. And then I started to run and I remember my first run was a five K back and it was a 12 minute pace. And I was the happiest man on the, on the planet.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome.
1: It, it was just it, it exhilarating, but I didn't care how fast I was going. I'm like, this is, this is what I needed. Um, so yeah. And, um, I, I started to train and I started to get a little bit more serious in the, in the winter of, of that year of late 2016 and 20, 2017 came along and was feeling good. Um, had a, I had a few setbacks here and there. And, it, and even today, Matt, I have um, – I lost some feeling outside of my left quad, and I still have – I have no feeling on, on like a little strip there, which is a little – you get used to it after a while. But that came up as a l- little bit of a pain point in the training as well as a spot in my lower back. It just uh, the bacteria had shredded the lining around what's called your SI joint, and that's – you really need that to, to protect when you – when you do movement, like running and that sort of thing. So it really hurts sometimes, but you know, I got through it. I got, I had a good spring and race day came, right? <laughs> race day came. And that morning at four thirty in the morning, it was already 75 degrees. And I'm like, this is not good. It's going to be a death March. Um, but you know, we, we lined up, towed up. Um, I was hitting those miles really good. And, and uh, I, you know, I, it just, I felt like I could get it done and, yeah, I got it. One hour and twenty three minutes and forty nine seconds. Barely so barely made it.
0: Barely made it. <laughs> that is, hey, good for you, man. That that is fantastic. Yeah. And you know, you'd already you kind of had already been there before, right? You'd already done the comeback. You did the comeback when you lost the fifty pounds. When you kind of got back into running, and I guess at yeah. some point you you must have known that, like, hey, once I'm once I'm healthy, once this blood infection clears, I know I can yeah. do it. I've done this before.
1: You, you're you're right, and you you. You just, as humans, you like all these experiences help you along the way, no matter if it's running or whatever it is, you just sort of evolve and you get, um, you know, I always tell the kids life is, is, is definitely a beautiful thing, but you know, keep your head in the swivel because it can bite you sometimes. And it's when you get bit is how that, how strong you come back and how quickly you can come back from that. And that's, you've been, I've been through so many of those things, like you said, as well as you have and people listening and you just, you just know how to get through it. And um, with the right support system and, and the right focus and the right attitude, and I had a lot of things work for me there. Um, so it, it was definitely a very joyous occasion. Um, and, you know, just after that, I'm like, okay, what's next? <laughs> now what?
0: Exactly. So, well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And, and before we get going, I just want to hit you up with the, the, the questions that we end every podcast here with. So first one is, when you're going out for a run, is it headphones or no headphones?
1: I, I wear, I do wear headphones.
0: Yes. All right, and what are you listening to?
1: I um, listen to soundtracks and a couple DJs, um, DJ Hardwell and Armin van Buren. and I have some rap in there. That's some old school rap. All
0: right, <laughs> so I, I need, I need some knowledge here. So, what, what is this? The soundtracks you're talking about? I, th- this is new to me.
1: Yeah. So, like. Um, Hans Zimmer is an awesome composer. He does a lot of the music for like the movie Gladiator back in two thousand, uh, the Batman movies, just a lot, just really good stuff. And that's what I end up getting on my, uh, my my playlist. And when I'm running, it's just like you're in the movie, right? <laughs> it feels like you're in the movie, wow. and it just helps.
0: It helps that buzz. It definitely helps that. I had never heard of anyone doing that before, but it makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah. Yep and um and then of course the other stuff is just faster and I I think it's there's no words to that stuff so I just kind of get the beat going and it feels good.
0: Right. All right. So what advice do you give others about training or running that you have trouble following?
1: <laughs> that I have trouble. Oh gosh, I don't take easy days. I know I'm supposed to, I just don't do it. And what's happened with me and I don't want other people to happen to them is you you put yourself more at risk for injury. And I've definitely dealt with so far in 2018.
0: Got it. All right. So what? what is – I shouldn't say that. What is? What am I talking about? I, I sound like such an amateur. I do these questions every time, <laughs> and I'm messing them up. All right. So if you could run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could do it every year, what race would it be?
1: Oh. Um, believe it or not, I would love to run every year the Drake Relays – 800 meters master race. It is, I've run it twice. I missed the last year because of some injuries, but it is what, quite an experience. And that, I don't know if you've ever been to Drake relays or Drake stadium, but it's very electrifying atmosphere. And you just being on the blue oval and with some, with old guys like you trying to still, still hammering it at a speed like that. It's quite a rush. So, so
0: last time you ran, what, 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 uh, what was your time?
1: Um, I ran a 209. Whoa. So, yeah. And that put me in about ninth position, ninth place. Uh, I think those guys are hitting like 201 who win it. So it's, they're moving.
0: No kidding. Holy yeah. cow. That's fast. All right. So what's a bucket list race for you?
1: Ooh. Um, I would love to do New York City sometime. There's two. And I don't know if I could. I, I don't. But like, you hate like, the I marathon. Like what are you I know, talking right? about? I do, but I I want to do it just because I want. I, I just I have to. Okay. It's one of those things where I'm like, you know, I, I definitely I've qualified for Boston a couple times. I just didn't want to go, but I I think someday I just need to. I see all these posts about it, the atmosphere and how great it is, and that I think to me is more attractive than grueling it out for
0: 26.2 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right. So, who is your dream running partner?
1: Oh god. Um, you know, there's a guy, I follow. his name's Nick Barra. He's a masters runner. He is a stud. He um when I got into my 40s, I followed him a lot and he came and ran at the masters 800 here and he was like a 158, 157 guy. Just built, a strong guy. Um and I would I would just love to train with him. Just as, you know, know his secrets and stuff like that as I've gotten older cuz he's still running pretty strong.
0: Oh, that's a great answer. 158 in the 800.
1: Isn't that crazy? My I mean, he ran goodness. a 429
0: mile at the age of 47. That's crazy. I I can't <laughs> think of another word for it because right. it's like, like people in the prime of their careers who are really good runners can't do that. To yeah, say just, nothing I, of someone in the Masters division doing it.
1: Oh, it's just electrifying to watch. And those are the those guys I gravitate to. I just love watching those. And yeah, I think you had Nick Simmons on your on your podcast one time and he is someone I follow quite a bit and he's because he's so fun to watch. He's a competitor. Yeah. He comes from behind and just, it's, it's just amazing what he does.
0: Yeah. And division three runner like yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's definitely uh and I know he's retired. It's so funny to hear that when someone says that at his age, <laughs> but know.
0: you know, <laughs> so true. Well, Vic, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, Matt.
0: My pleasure. Talk to you again. Talk to you later. Thank you again, Vic, for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Uh, he really inspires me to become a, a more well-rounded athlete. Uh, you know, I think when we're when we're younger, most of us are pretty well-rounded because we play a lot of sports and we maybe get into lifting for the first time. And you're just you're just different as a young kid. And now I feel like I'm getting a little bit more one dimensional. Um, I really like the dimension I'm growing in. I feel like I'm getting better at running all the time. But I see someone like Vic who's not only getting faster and stronger as a runner, but just stronger in general. It really is inspiring to me. So I would go check out his his Instagram profile. Iowa Runner is his handle. Um just really interesting stuff. A little you know, he doesn't kind of follow the normal as you heard today. It doesn't follow the normal rules that a lot of people do when it comes to easy days and training plans, but, you know, just like nutrition, a lot of this stuff is very personalized and you do what works for you. You keep what you like and you uh, you throw out what you don't. So, with that being said, I also want to give a shout out to Mercury Mile, who, when they send you a box, you keep what you love, you send back what you don't and go to mercurymile.com, create your profile, save 10 bucks with our promo code here, RamblingRunner10, with all of that done. I hope you had a great day. I hope you share this episode if you liked it. I know that I really appreciate it when you do. And lastly, I hope you have a great run.